Welcome to One Hit Wonderful. I'm Frank Pezzanite III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. And join us as we delve into our podcast where we revisit all those amazing reality shows that have only had one season. Right now, we're on our series on Kel on Earth. Today we'll be discussing episode 5, Love Hangover. Didn't even notice the title this time. Again, it doesn't really make sense to me either. Um, I say that a lot. I think it was because of Kelly and Ilario and Andrew S. and his date. I don't know. Okay. Not sure. Sure. Um, Okay, so let's delve right in. I have a ton of house cleaning on the Twitter end. Let's do it. First of all, all of you that supported Meredith about (laughs) the... um, uh, uh, resume stuff um, are dead to me. Um, <laughs> and those of you who did not support me um, are also dead to me. So you're pretty much all dead to me. I listened to that episode again, and I was. This is what happens when we record after a long day at the office. Like Saturday records, I'm in a really good mood, and I feel like I don't argue as much, and I just say, okay, whatever. And on Mondays, I'm really combative, and I get really <laughs> mad. So I was a little ashamed, but I appreciate the support. Um, so first off, we have Sleazy T, our Taylor Anderson. Um, love how y'all referred to me as Sleazy T. Y'all gotta listen to my... Da- I don't know why I'm making her Southern. Um, <laughs> <laughs> gotta listen to my dad being a podcast guest prior to me, especially since he talks about how he has to create our dates, LOL. Um, yes, actually, I haven't had a chance yet, but Taylor's dad um, is a fertility doctor and specialist, oh. and he guest starred on a podcast. She posted the link on the EBP page. I am remiss in not remembering the name of the podcast, but Taylor, if you're listening, I'll um, search for it. go ahead and post it to our Twitter, and I will retweet it so all of you can hear. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure it's great um, and interesting. And then Lee Fenn tweeted and said, I loved Frank's suggestion, I love Lucy, for us basic bitches to, um, to find fr- phantom thread to highfalutin. Need to reintroduce that word into my vocab. It is highfalutin, it too. It is it's, very that's, highfalutin. That's exactly what that movie is. <laughs> I still haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I really want to. You're not missing anything. And Taylor tweeted and said, love that y'all listen to, again, she's Southern in my mind, um, <laughs> listen to Olsen Twins, list, listed Olsen Twins movies. Also, Holiday in the Sun is one of the best. It really is. Um, and then Lee tweeted in and said, totally agree with both of Mayor's career points this week. Firstly, it sucks that promotions mean managing people. And secondly, <laughs> more importantly, the shorter the CV, the better. At least industries I've worked across, film, music, women's fashion. Um, and because I'm international, I know that CV means resume yes. in Europe and Australia. Um, and then Lee again tweeted and said, to clarify, I'm talking actual length of document. Have as many jobs as you want. Just don't go on about them for more than two pages. Um, let's see. I would also like to give a shout out to our friend Diana who texted us both about the debate instead of tweeting about it. Oh yeah, she did. And she split down the middle. She said, I would go up to two and a half pages. And I had to really (laughs) refrain from not being a snark monster and being like, well, you better cut it down to two or Meredith wouldn't hire you. But I did not. (laughs) I think we both let it lie. But I like that she went precisely in between (laughs) one and five. Um, And then Taylor tweeted us again and said, I'm betting that Skinner was salaried and so was Voorhees. PR is basically a 24-hour job, and you know that going in. We only got overtime for working weekends, but if Voorhees quit at the beginning of the month or the beginning of a pay period, they probably paid for days worked. So, thank you. That's very helpful. Yeah, good call. Um, she said, uh, she also said she probably had a ton of clothes from clients or from the showroom since she works in the same building, or she gets gifts from press or other designers. My former boss's apartment looked the same way. 
Um, thank you, Taylor. And then again, regarding Kelly's age when pregnant, listen to the pod I posted that my dad is on. Because it's oh, um, oh, about, okay. you know, reproduction and having a child later yeah, in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Although, honestly, Kelly wasn't that old. I mean, I think anything under 40 is not that old. Okay. For conceiving accidentally and naturally and these days I, especially. Well, well, I also, the reason I said that is that I have a number of friends who are actually almost exactly my age or a little bit younger and are having a terribly difficult time. But my generation was also one of the early ones where birth control was pushed on you at like age 14. And so I think maybe that's what's happening and that didn't happen to Kelly, but I don't, I yeah. don't know. And well, we'll have to listen to the pod and, and after, find out. after the age of 35, your chances decrease by like 20% or something. Well, yeah, because at 35, you're geriatric pregnancy. Right. And I thought we said she was 37. Yeah, but I still feel like anything under 40 is not like inconceivable. Not inconceivable. I just, I think I said, I was like, damn, respect. No, 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 I know. I don't know. I'm just saying in, in the case of this. Um, and then Heather tweeted us and said, time to watch episode four of Kel on Earth and LOL as I listen to the recap on One Hip Pod. Thank you, Heather. And then she said, uh-oh, does this mean I have to like Andrew the Super Tan Twink because he's a Britney fan too? Heather, I hope to God not. I hope to God not. I hope that's not enough to push you over, Heather. Um, and then she sent us an amazing screen grab of Andrew getting tan. And you can hear her commentary in the back. I was completely living for it. I, I retweeted <laughs> it. I suggest you all listen. Um, and then she also said, um, LMFAO, Andrew's tattoos were awful. Don't laugh. If they allowed us more than 30 seconds at her $2,500 meet and greet, I would have asked her to sign my wrist and then get a tat of... Tat of it of her autograph. Tat over it of her autograph. Um, Heather, I'm down for that. Like, I think that's yeah. fine. Like, that's much more. Um, I'm a little mortified that you spent $2,500 to meet her. I hope that for that price, you got to sit on the stage and perhaps keep one of her costumes afterwards. Um, but yeah, I have nothing wrong with an autograph tattoo. I like, I think that's to totally norm. <laughs> go to Starbucks with her or I don't know where else Brittany eats these days. I think she's still a big Starbucks fan, though. Um, yep, yeah, in 7-Eleven? Yeah. I, I feel gonna... like she's a big fan of, like, a gas station mini mall. <laughs> I was almost going to say Popeye's, and I was like, no, it's... it's No, she likes gas station. Like, give, give her yeah. a, a Slim Jim, and she's yeah. good to go. <laughs> um, Chris M. Masquen tweeted and replied to me and, and Heather and said, agree, I am a Britney super fan. Just look at my Twitter avatar, but I would also never get tattoos like Serrano. Um, then... And then Lee said, love the debates and love the wiki black holes and sidebars, too. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate that. Um, and then Heather sent this hysterical <laughs> headline that shouldn't be funny because it's about domestic violence, but it still made me laugh. Um, this headline almost made me piss myself. Like, seriously, I've been holding it. LOL. Heather said, um, Hill star Doug Reinhold beaten by wife with his yes. own crutches. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we forgot to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> so not only did Audrina Patridge go to Mexico with Ryan Cabrera for her birthday, just this past weekend, we forgot to discuss this Doug Reinhardt thing. And that's totally my bad as the podcast researcher who reads the daily mail several times a day. So he's now claiming <laughs> or so wait, read the headline again. He'll start Doug Reinhardt beaten by wife with his own crutch. Okay. So she also claimed that he hit her. And he's now saying that she used his blood and smeared it on her face so that when cops showed up, she was like, Doug hit me. Amaze. Yeah. He's saying that it's his blood that she smeared on herself. Well, I mean, that's easy to tell. They could just DNA test her. 
don't know. It's getting ugly, though. It is, but I'm really enjoying it, and I'm assuming this means they're divorcing any minute. It's going to be real ugly. Yeah. Meanwhile, his sister Casey just had her second baby and, like, married a millionaire and is living life. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And then Lee tweeted and said in reference to the Olsen twins that she was all about grandmother's house we go. Apparently one of her faves. That's an early one. Um, and then Taylor tweeted us talking about her dad's podcast and said fast forward through a bunch of the bullshit and long ass ads. It, cor- um, it correlated perfectly with my anatomy dissection today. Haha. Ha. And he talks about creating my sister's ex-boyfriend. Ooh, creepy. <laughs> um... They're both Let's in medicine, see. though. That's cute. And then I t- tweeted Taylor and said that I needed to know how her mom felt about Olsen Twins movies, because that's whose um, taste I really trust. That's true. Um, and she said, haha, she doesn't love them as much as my siblings and I do. Um, and then she said it was sad that he got that her dad got to put, be on a podcast before she did, and I said that she is welcome anytime to guest on this podcast. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, she does not live around here, and she's busy with school, um, but, and I said we don't know how to Skype or do anything like that yet. But she said we should reach out to malls, which we should. I should just like text malls one day and ask her how she does it. I I'm sure fig- she would tell me. I think I could figure or it out. We can Google it. I mean, how yeah. hard could it be to YouTube it? Um, and then Lee tweeted and said that she, and tweeted you and Taylor and said that she felt like there was a podcast in this, um, watching Mary Kate and Ashley movies. You can count me out of that one. Maybe you and Diana could do that one. So it reminded me of when Diana did her Sweet Valley High podcast. Which she hasn't done. I know. I thought she did an episode. She recorded a couple. I mean, I hope I'm not telling tons things oh. out of tail here, Diana. Whoops. Um, she recorded a couple, but then, like, there were some creative differences, and they're on the other coast. And oh. she actually said, asked me if I wanted to do it with her. Okay. Um, but we haven't really gone any further in that. Yeah. That's a big commitment, because it's, like, an all day, because you have to get high as fuck. Yeah. I bet Olsen Twins movies make more sense when you're really high, though. I, anything makes more sense. Really. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Um, and then Heather tweeted to the whole uh, thread about the Olsen twins. It said, back in the day, I loved New York Minute. I think it was called Pretty Sure I Still Have It on DVD. Um, I am judging a little bit of that for Heather, because I think we're the same age, and we were adults when this came out. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, Taylor then said, Passport to Paris is a good one, and we also love the challenge, which is about them on a reality show. Um, I'm surprised MTV didn't sue them over that. Let's see, is that it? No, I don't feel like that was it. Okay, okay, that was more about Taylor. Okay, I already talked about how she said we should reach out to malls. Um, I think that may be it. Yeah, that's it for Twitter. So fun, though. I know. And I'm sorry we took a week off, guys. Um, I failed to mention when we recorded last time that I was headed to Vegas for the weekend with my best friend... Just to kick back and lay by a pool and do some goofy stuff, and that we took a week off. Yeah. But. And actually, I have a feeling that starting here soon, we're probably going to be pretty intermittent. Just yeah. because I'm going to the beach every weekend that I'm off work, so that takes those weekends out, because I won't be coming back until Sunday night. Um, so for the summer, we'll probably be a little more sporadic. Yeah. Did I tell you, though, that I'm teleworking 50% of the time this summer? No. I have to. I'm required. Nice. So that kind of opens up our world a little bit. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I'm supposed to be doing work, but I could take an hour here or there. Unfortunately, I can't telework, so I don't know how much that opens up my world. <laughs> yeah. I'm not super excited about it, if that makes you feel any better. Why? 
Because home is where I do home things. Home is where I relax. Okay, I have a confession. Yeah. So anytime anyone tells me they're teleworking, like any of my friends or anyone, yeah. I assume that means they're like left the computer on in a corner and are watching reality TV all day. Exactly. But like when I'm at home, I want to be watching TV or cleaning or doing laundry or mowing. Like I want to be doing home things. I genuinely don't like sitting on my computer all day doing work at home. It's just a weird disconnect for me. Oh, but what I was saying is I feel like when people say they're working from home, they're not actually working. Well, they're renovating my office. We have no choice. Oh. I know. It's terrible. Go to one of those WeWork places. Or what's that ladies one called? The Wing. Yeah. Go to the Wang. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I think the most exciting thing is that I get to sleep in because I won't have a commute and I can squeeze in the occasional lunchtime workout now, which I can't do. They should open one for men and call it the Wang. (laughs) Ryan O'Connell said he wanted to start one for gay men only. And there you go. True. But then he would be there. No, but scoop it. Steal it from him. You just, I should. Yeah. So I do have another runway rundown, but briefly before we get to that, I had a note in the margin of my notes from the last episode to look up who Derek Blazeberg was, the writer that Kelly was trying to get a front row seat for at London Fashion Week. Oh yeah, with the yeah. woman in the band we never heard of either. Yeah, which I didn't look up the band. Um, but Derek Blazeberg was somewhat of a big deal at the time. At the time that Kel on Earth was filmed, he was writing for Interview Magazine. Oh, okay. And he is a New York Times bestselling author now. He's written three books about men's fashion. And he used to internet Vogue when he was a college student. And now he does things for CNN style. And I oh, don't even know right. they had a style section. But Who knew? I'm guessing he's in charge of it, so... This week's Runway Rundown is Andrew Muckamel. Nice. This was an interesting one. And Andrew, lucky for us, loves to talk about himself. Shocker. So so a simple (laughs) Google search gave me lots of things to read. Oh, I can't wait. So Andrew is from Scarsdale, New York, which is just outside of New York City. And oddly enough, where my best friend's husband is from. Interesting. Andrew's a little younger, but don't think I won't ask my friend's husband because I will. The things that I was most surprised by with Andrew Muckamel are his early days. He was insanely preppy. Like Like how early days? Like. Like middle school? Like middle school, high school. And maybe a little college. Wow, that shocks me. Middle yes. school wouldn't have shocked me, but high school and a little bit of college shocks me. So when you Google Which his- means he's a poser. Heather, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to be goth, you start in middle school. Is that what you, you mean? You start in high school. Oh, yeah. Well, I started in middle school, but you don't wait until at mid-college. Right. So, okay, we'll get there. So when you Google him, there's an old article from, I think, the Huffington Post. And it's his life in, like, ten different outfits. And he actually did throw up some really old pictures of when he was preppy and makes fun of himself and whatever. So he gets some kudos for that. But there is a picture of him as a child on the beach And he looks like a Vineyard Vines catalog. He's wearing Madras shorts and a popped collar. He went to UVA and was in a fraternity. I can't even picture that. I know. So then all of a sudden, Andrew Muckamel started working for stylists. Wait, how old is he? So when he was in college, how old is he now? Yeah. He's a few years younger than I am. So he's like three years younger than me. So he's like 30, 31. So he was... When he was about... 22, 23 in the show? Yeah. He's 22 when he started working on people. But his hair, it would take like two years to grow it out. So this is the weird transition that I couldn't find anything about. 
is that he's at UVA. He's apparently kind of preppy, but he posted one picture of him in his fraternity house where he's wearing like some expensive looking Dolce & Gabbana t-shirt. And he was like the stylish one, I guess. Yeah. And then in a span of two years, all of a sudden he's working as a part-time stylist in New York, goes full goth, gets obsessed with Rick Owens and starts wearing dresses. And I want to know about that two years and I couldn't find it. Interesting. Yeah. So he got hired at People's Revolution almost on the spot because he was freelance styling and went to People's Revolution to do a pickup of some clothes. And Kelly saw his outfit and said, we're hiring. What are you doing? And they traded emails back and forth and things like that. And he ran into Kelly a few weeks later at an event at the Soho Grand of all places. And she said, why aren't you working for me yet? I thought we discussed this. And he said, oh, I've called your office a few times and I guess no one told you. And she like, Uh-oh. she freaked out and said like, use my cell phone only. This is bullshit. Like everyone's fired. You're hired. And that was it. He was hired two weeks before they started filming. Interesting. Yeah. Now... Do you think it was partially for the show that she hired him? Because she knew he'd make good TV? I think it's what she said in the very first episode, that she was looking for a new assistant after Skinner wanted to advance, and she got tired of interviewing blonde girl after blonde girl, and in comes this guy wearing a floor-length dress who's 22 and needs the experience, and she was all about it. That could be my only guess. So then I got really curious about who his family is. Because we know he's the a yeah. Well, because we know later, um, we learn later in the season that he's a trust fund kid, and you know Scarsdale is not, you know, it's no joke. No. So his father sadly passed away last spring. Oh. He was one of the leading immigration attorneys in the country. He was born in Baghdad, um, and Andrew also has a brother, Theodore, who's a couple years older. I wouldn't have guessed Andrew was Middle Eastern. I know. Oh, I would have, because the last name. I guess I never really thought about what Muckamel was, but yeah. he just, I wouldn't have guessed he was Middle Eastern. I would have gone, like, Greece or further yes. east. Greek I could see. Yeah. Greek I could totally see. Yeah, but that was as far west as I was willing to go. Um, so he has an older brother, Theodore, who is also a lawyer, like their father was, which I thought was kind of sweet, and also went to UVA. So we've got some strong family connections here. Yeah. When you Google his mother, oddly enough, this old New York Times article comes up and it's about, it's a really strange article. I didn't bother to read the whole thing about this special edition Tom Ford lipstick that was released. I think it's about really high end makeup. Okay. And she's the first woman like waiting in line the day it comes out or something. All right. Kathleen Muckamel. I I didn't. You'd think if you were that rich and powerful, you wouldn't have to wait in line for a lipstick. But she got to meet Tom Ford, and I think she was, like, invited to something. Oh, okay. But I was, I, my bigger question was, why is the New York Times writing about this? Who cares? Like, you're telling me it's a novelty that women buy $48 lipstick? Like, what? No, there are know. kids in high school who do that here at Sephora. Like, I've seen it. It's not a big deal. Whatever. Um, also, his father's obituary was in the New York Times. So, oh. in the legacy section or whatever it's called. So, it's a pretty big deal. And... Where things got a little interesting with Andrew research is that he left People's Revolution almost a year after he started working there. So he left in July 2010. 
And by the way, guys, we're about to get a big thunderstorm and I can already hear it starting. Yeah, I can hear so, the rain in the, <laughs> the headphones. If one of us suddenly yells or you hear something crazy, just FYI. Yeah. So he left after about a year and then Kelly said to page six and was quoted in an article, he cared more about being on TV than being my assistant, which I thought was really shady and amazing. And I was excited. So then Kelly backtracked once it came out in page six and said, time to go on record about Tara Palmieri's page six item about Andrew Muckamel and I. Andrew has not worked at People's Revolution since July. I am not upset about his desire to be on TV. I wish him the best. If I wanted to cut ties sharply or in an aggressive manner with Andrew, I would have done so in July, not now. Must have been a slow day over at page six. Well, then he must not have worked there for even a whole year because this started filming in August, end of August. Yeah, that's true. It was pretty short. Uh, Andrew, well, he, there was some fuzziness about when he was hired. So when you think about it, he was hired two weeks before filming, but then we kind of get some end of summer stuff in August because then we see Ava start school. So it's a little fuzzy. But I mean, it starts at New York Fashion Week. Yeah, I don't know. So I would say mid, I mean, end of August because that's when school starts. So he probably got hired mid-August. But it's interesting because the TV thing doesn't make sense because they only filmed through, like, November. Right. Andrew pitched his own show to the E! Network. Nice. I tried to find out... what, like, Muckamel's Mucklucks? I don't know. And I tried to find out... Where he just pitches, like, Eskimo fashions to people? Yeah. I tried to find out more about it. I couldn't find anything. And I'm wondering if Kelly found out about it and was kind of mad. If he started shopping it around behind her back. I mean, I guess from an executive producer of the show standpoint, she could be mad. But as like just his, I mean, she seems like someone who wants people to move on and succeed. So I I find it surprising that she would be upset about that. I was also surprised she gave a quote to page six. Yeah. She backtracked on it, but I was still surprised she said that. Yeah. Because she, she says all the time how much she doesn't like page six. But I could see her, but she was maybe just, maybe she was at a party and someone was like, what happened to Andrew Buckabell? And her being like, oh, he just didn't want it. He just wanted to be on TV. Like she makes offhanded comments all the time. It's true. And then it got snagged for page six and then she had to come out and like clarify. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. But all told, Andrew is still being Andrew. He is styling, living his best rich kid life. And... This is where my friend Lauren, like, shits her pants as she listens to this at her desk at work. He styles Zoe Kravitz. Oh, nice. Yeah. Including her most recent red carpet on the Met Gala. Just a couple weeks ago. They are friends. They met through one of his old boyfriends, and he's been styling her since 2014. That's, like, his biggest client. Now, is he still goth? So he's actually incorporated color into his wardrobe, and he recently gave an interview about it. Um, you can see some pictures of him. He still has a similar style and he likes to push like gender boundaries with clothes. That doesn't surprise me, but I yeah. would wonder if like the goffness is like, I could see him doing more of like, um, uh, oh, why is my brain not working? Um, Jaden Smith. Like I could see him gender bending like that now and on less on a He's... goth level and more on just a, I wear dresses level. L- lately, it seems like he's going through a power clashing phase. Like, two really bold patterns Friends, yeah. clashing. Yeah. No hair salon? I think so. We can check his Instagram real quick. Um, but I got really jealous because after the Met Gala, too, he 
just like posted this beautiful picture of him and Zoe Kravitz having lunch together outside, like the day after the Met Gala. Who took it? He took it of her, just like sitting, oh, of her, oh, yeah, okay. looking beautiful. Must be nice to be a rich kid. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Oh, and he has, wonder, a, he has a kind of cool logo, actually. I wonder if he and Kelly See? still talk. They're just chilling. Yeah. And she looks great. In the middle of the day, just hanging. Two rich kids just out in the town. Yeah. What was the... Oh, his hair. Yeah. It's still long. He's still, like, goth-ish. I'm, you might disagree, but... Oh, my God. What happened to his face? I don't know. Maybe he just got older? Well, this is him... On another Met Gala, he's literally carrying the train of her dress. Oh, he looks more like him there. Mm-hmm. Okay. He still looks like him. Yeah, yeah. It was just that one picture. When he says he's incorporated color, I mean a little bit. That's not even him. Well, he's got rid of the eyeliner and all of the goth jewelry. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like an older version of himself. Yeah. He's not as skinny anymore. Yeah. He is one of the more active Kel on Earth people on Instagram, though. If people want to look him up, it's AJ Muckamel. And look at his logo. It's like the Yankees logo, but his initials, that's kind of clever. Oh, that is kind of cool. Um, now, do we already talk about the whole scandal with um, someone was stealing from Kelly and she had to go out and say it was not Andrew Muckamel? Yes, that's in my research as well. So she had another assistant who was fired for stealing. Yeah. And people assumed that... Because of the statement she released that it was Andrew. And then she had to release another statement saying it wasn't him. It was somebody else. So. Andrew doesn't need to steal. No. (laughs) Well, I could see him stealing. I mean, he wouldn't. But if if there was stealing to be had, if it was like a -a one-of-a-kind thing that you couldn't buy. They got the office. Like a piece of clothes that was like one-of-a-kind. That's the only way it would make sense for me. Yeah. But... There you go. Andrew Muckamel doing his thing. Yep. Proud of him, actually. Yeah, like, that was a good one. I like that one. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I like that he's like tight with his family. Something about that was sweet. He and his brother worked together for a time as well. Like his brother helped him build the website for his styling company or whatever. It's listed on his brother's LinkedIn. Well, because I could see Andrew being like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Well, I was kind of hoping that his brother would be some like hot, like Middle Eastern God lawyer. Noob. No. Noob. <laughs> I won't bother to show you his picture. You can already know. Yeah, I can can guess. All right, let's dive in. Let's get to it. So, Love Hangover. So, at the top, um, from scenes from the last, we had Voorhees getting fired slash quitting, um, a little more Ilario, and the fact that the New York office is in turmoil with the three main gals out of town Uh for London Fashion Week. Uh Uh-huh. And then we open at the Mayfair, the Mayfair Hotel in London. And Ilario is laying on the couch. Yeah. And I was a little unclear as to whether he slept on the couch. That or was my whether he just was like up early having coffee while she was in the bedroom getting ready. He looked like he slept there. I was going to say the same thing. I, I have a lot to say about this. So I am usually a thousand percent Team Kelly. I'm almost never not Team Kelly. My- Let's set the stage a little bit more. Okay. First. So Alario's laying on the couch wearing pajama pants. You see empty coffee or teacups on the coffee table. Kelly's getting dressed. And it's six in the morning. Right. And the couch is disheveled. Like, well, I was also a little confused about the timeline because she says it's six in the morning and then she says they have a 10 a.m. call time. 
Which, it doesn't take you four hours to get there. Like, uh, huh? It doesn't take Kelly Catrone more than four minutes to get ready, let alone four hours. Yeah, so I was a little confused about the timeline. And, yeah, no. But it it looks like when you sleep on your couch and room service brings you a coffee. That's, like, yeah. it looked like he laid there and had a coffee and watched her get ready. So, continue. So then, Kelly goes on this kind of diatribe that she goes on numerous times throughout the episode um, about how they have the most progressive European amazing relationship because when they're apart, they're apart, but when they're together, like things just click and there's no, you know, you know, when they're together, they, they act like they're in love. They act like when they're a couple together, but then they leave and it's not. And me thinks she doth protest too much. Like, I think she is super in love with Ilario. Yes. I think that he is fine to have her around once in a while, but is not in love with her. Yes. And they had a kid together, and if they didn't have a kid together, he would be completely out of her life forever. And I think she's trying to convince herself of this, not so much us. I would agree. That's exactly what I thought. I think, according to Kelly, they have a very European relationship. Yeah. To Ilario, it's like, Oh, we're friendly, and we have a daughter. Yeah. I think he thinks they're, like, friends with benefits. Do you think he... Yeah, he throws her a bone. Yeah, Yeah. literally. Yeah. It's a little... It's one of the moments where you see Kelly being a little... What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say, like, delusional, because that's mean. I think it's it's immature. Like, when she's... And when he's around her friends... It gets worse. Yeah. She's like, oh, Hilarious. And he's just like, my, my new boyfriend's ever so dreamy. Like, that's, I feel like it's her inner monologue. And she's just like, oh, Hilario. Like, oh, Hilario. Like, look at Hilario. He's so hot. He's so, and I'm like, oh my God. First of all, she he's calls fine. him the charming European daddy in front of everybody. Everybody. And it's like she, on the one hand, is really proud of this, but on the other hand, is so unsure and insecure in the relationship that she can't help but over posture about it. Yeah. Like it's, it makes me uncomfortable. Yes. And I'm like, I love you, Kelly, but I don't like this part of you. I totally agree. It made me kind of pull at the collar yeah. of my, my shirt a little bit. And then Kelly's also wearing this outfit that I'm sure it's super expensive. It's like this silk it almost looks like a baseball tee, but it's silk and it has this like eagle print. But oh, like, I couldn't tell it was silk. I thought it was cotton. No, I think that's why it rips. That's why it rips so, so easily. Yeah. Okay. And to me, I mean, this is the probably the most New Hampshire thing I've ever said, but it looks very Harley Davidson to me. No, I was going to say it looks like a heavy metal t-shirt, like yeah. a concert t-shirt from a heavy metal band. Right. Except that it's made of silk. So she gets annoyed at the neckline of it and she pulls on it and it rips Almost perfectly down the center. And she turns it into kind of this rock and roll Henley style (laughs) by accident. But it looks pretty good. The reason I didn't think it was silk is because she kept calling it a t-shirt. I know. And it... And it wasn't a t-shirt because it was long sleeve. But whatever, Kelly. Yeah. Um, Also, when she left the hotel room, she looked at Ilario and said, love you. So I thought that was kind of uncomfortable as well. I, I think she's trying to force a comfortableness with him that is not there. Yeah, I don't think he said it back. No. I mean, the only kind of, like... I think he said, I'll see you later. The only reciprocation I saw on his part at all was when she sits on the edge of the couch to put on her boots. He kind of, like, puts his foot on her back and, like, plays with her back with his foot. And I'm like, at least that's kind of familiar. Like, I don't, I don't know. 
Yeah. Maybe he was trying to kick her out the door. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but it's uncomfortable. Yeah, very much so. So then we go, did we get a name of the venue for this fashion show? No, okay. we just know it's the Jeremy Scott show, but we don't know where. So we go to backstage at Jeremy Scott. Um, and Jeremy Scott is quite famous now in particular. He dresses a lot of like funky people. Like Yeah, I've always Ka- liked his stuff. Yeah, like Katy Perry and Rihanna. And like, he's very avant-garde and fun and people just love him. And Emily is talking to this young model named Cole. And the show for Jeremy Scott this year, they say, is Flintstones themed. Yes. I'm not even going to say it's Flintstones themed. I'm going to just say it's straight up Flintstones. Pretty much. Like, he's not touching on the Flintstones lightly. He's beating it over the head with a sledgehammer. Yeah. That said, I thought it was really cool. It was cool. Emily is talking to this young model and asking him what he's wearing. And he's wearing a Speedo that ties on one side. And they make jokes about how when it, if it slips, he's going to be literally hanging out. And Emily has what I think is the most heinous flirt giggle ever recorded. Well, and this is a theme that we've now seen with Kelly and Emily. I don't think we've seen Robin do it yet. Where oh, they we get do, like, though. Oh, we do? Yeah. Where they get really weird and giggly and gross with these young teen boys. Yeah. Who, quite frankly, I don't find attractive because they all weigh eight pounds, but... That's just me. This guy looks like he's like 19. Yeah. Like he... And weighs probably 110 pounds. Like you could snap him in half like a swizzle stick. Yeah. And Emily, I think, is around my age, if not a little bit older. So when... She looks, I would say, like mid to late 30s. Yeah. I would say she's older than me based on when it was filmed. For sure. Right. And he's... Teenagers aren't hot. I'm sorry. They're children. So then Kelly does a brief, I don't know, dress rehearsal with some of the models and like the lighting and things um, on the front of the house side before people are actually seated there. And I guess the lighting guy raises the lights too fast as she's talking to the models and coaching them on some things because she's actually producing this show. She's going to be in the box, like calling people. I think what he was doing was having the spotlight move too quickly. Right. When they were walking. So Kelly turns over her shoulder from like 20 feet away and says, Lighting, don't you dare do that without my (laughs) say-so. And then Emily in her confessional says, It can be embarrassing to watch Kelly. No, she says that later when she's editing. Oh, that's right. That's way later. Um, Similar theme, though. She makes a comment about how Kelly can be a ball buster, basically. Yeah. and But she the other thing we missed, too, is that um, this is also the part where Emily says that she's sending an email... Um, to Skinner and Andrew. Well, she doesn't say who. She says the office. Yeah. Um, to complain because she's worried about things happening. Um, and huh? At four a.m. It's four a.m. at the office. Like you're sending it now. She probably expects them to be there. Yeah, probably. So then we we go to New York briefly to see Skinner get the email. Yes. And so Skinner is upset by the email and. She calls Serrano over to look at it and says, well, don't worry, you got it too. And she says she just doesn't take kindly to emails where people use all caps and ask her rude questions and kind of surround her with negative, negative, negative. And the funny thing is the email was not in all caps. Yeah, like, I didn't they see- showed it on the screen. I didn't bother like scre- like pausing it and reading it. Me but either. But it I was not in all caps. I didn't see all caps. No. Although given the way Emily speaks, it wouldn't surprise me if there were some capital letters in yeah, there somewhere. Maybe. And then we go back to London. 
<laughs> That's all we see of Skinner getting the email. And we cut to the front row of the fashion show. People are arriving. And Emily explains that for the front row and all the editors and important people, Jeremy Scott does these collaboration bags. I'm very proud of myself because I paused and I said, I think those are Longchamp bags. And they were. And you were correct. And they are the coolest Longchamp bag I've ever seen in my life. They were really cute. So Kelly in the Hamptons episode had this really cool bag that was, it looked, her bag looked canvas, not that more like acrylic bag that Longchamp is famous for, but it was like emerald green with black telephones all over it and two straps. It's like a over, like almost like a weekender or like a really oversized tote. But these ones for the front row are a limited edition collaboration with Jeremy Scott and Longchamp and they're pink and they have the white Flintstone bones all over them. He still does bags with Longchamp guys and they're really cool. We looked it up. But people were stealing them from the front row. <laughs> and I don't understand why they just put them on the chairs. It would have made more sense to go in and hand them out to the people in the front row who you right. know are supposed to yes. be there. And remove any chance of stuff even being stolen. I didn't get... I mean, for someone who's PR from so on top of things, it's like, why are you doing it this way? Take two minutes before the models start. Send two people down each side with a stack of Here's your bag, here's your bag, here's your bag. I mean, so stupid. Yeah. And then Kelly does this monologue about fashion and says something about how, like, she's not a shining example because she doesn't wear makeup and blah, 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 and tabby toe socks. Yeah, I said this is when Kelly admits that she dresses like a schlub. So Frank and I had to look up what tabby toe socks are officially. Which are T-A-B-I, by the way. I looked it up. Yeah. So I thought they were the socks where each toe is separated out, which already gives me heart palpitations. And I don't know whether tabby toe is better or worse than all five toes being separate. Because what Kelly's referring to is a sock that has the big toe separate from the four other toes. So you can wear it with flip-flops. Yeah, that's rough for me. I don't... Yeah, no, not a good look for anyone. But it makes sense because at one point, episodes ago, I think it might have been the one where she got her pedicure, she was wearing socks and like flip-flops. And I was like, how is she doing that? But now I know. Um, The other thing, before that happened, we had the actual show with the clothes before Kelly admitted she was a schlub. Oh yeah, we do. (laughs) Um, And when the show was happening, I said, this is where we learn that Jeremy Scott stole Borat's birthday bathing suit design. Well, I, I looked think... it up. Borat came out in 2006. Oh. I looked it up when I was watching. Good so for you. So one of the models is wearing, okay, you know, Borat wears that electric green unikini male thing that looks like just like a unitard. You all know what I'm talking about. So one of the female models in the show, same color, same cut, same everything. It just had something tied around the waist. And this was four years after the Borat movie. So that was one of my favorite parts of the clothes, though, were the bathing suits. Obviously, I would not wear the attached tail, but like some of the bright pink with like black bones and stuff. Oh, yeah, the other ones were really cute, but specifically the green one. I was like, this is Borat. On the hot, on the hot black model. The pink one. The pink one was cute, but that's a men's suit. This is a woman's suit. Oh. It was a woman in the Borat. It was the same green color, same cut, same everything. It was a woman. You're right. But the the black guy had the one, the one shoulder. shoulder. It looked like a woman's suit, except that half of his pecs were sticking yeah, out. Yeah, it was like a Bam Bam. Nod to Bam Bam, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. He looked so good in that, though. He did, yeah. I was kind of like, oh, men should rock 
Um, so then we go back to the office briefly in New York, and basically Skinner and Muckamel are just really nervous about the bosses coming back. And I, for my note on that part was, are the two Andrews and Skinner the most important in the office, or just the most camera-worthy? Because there is an office full of people. I know. We saw, like, six people in there. Yeah. And it's just the three of them being like, we're in charge of everything. Oh, my God. Like, what's going on? Ugh. And I was going to bring this up later, but I'm going to bring it up now. We find out that Michelle, the gum smacker, gives Skinner work. That's what I mean. So she's obviously above all of them. So why yeah. aren't we seeing her on camera? Exactly. Why are we seeing her freak out? Why and, are we seeing... And why was it a huge deal for Skinner to leave the office and go have dinner with Andrew or wine at Sanctuary Tea if her boss was sitting there and told her it was okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm getting real confused about that, but anyway. I really do just think that Kelly, like, handpicked, like, these three people are the most camera, like, entertaining on camera, so that's who's going to be on the show. It was like, Skinner's going to do a lot of work, freak out and cry. <laughs> Keep camera on her. Yeah, Andrew's going to be, Andrew Muckamel's going to be snarky, and Andrew S. is going to be a gay panic. Yeah, pretty much. So, then we go back to London, and... Kelly and Emily. Was Robin there too? Yeah. Okay. They all go to the British Fashion Council. And I'm not entirely sure what they're doing there other than advising some young designers. Well, no. What she says I thought in they the were students at first. Was that they had to go to the British Fashion Council to see all the other designers that were doing stuff at Fashion Week. They wanted to see the collections. They wanted to see what this is. These are all of the people supposedly presenting at British Fashion Week. Okay. So they go... As they're walking through the hall, that one random woman calls Kelly into her little booth area and says, right. like, can you look at this, please? Okay. Yeah. And we don't get her name, poor thing. She's no. Like, they didn't even, even get a name card. Was. So Kelly takes a look at this designer's table and display. She's got some shelves and a table. And rips it to shreds. <laughs> she cuts it. I want to say in half, but I think it's more than oh, half. Oh, more. Yeah. More. Because on the table, there was like necklace. There was a ton of jewelry, and she got rid of all the jewelry. Well, she's an accessories designer, clearly. Yeah. Because all she had was bags, belts, and jewelry. Yeah. And Kelly gets it down to like three belts, five bags, and like a single shelf of stuff. Yeah. This is where Emily says that Kelly can be embarrassing. 100%. And Kelly says, a collection is a sentence, not a life story. Which is funny, because that's how I feel about resumes. <laughs> um, and she she does do a good job and makes the whole thing look more cohesive. But I, I felt for the designer just a little bit, because you can tell the reason she put it all out is because each piece was something she put love and effort into. And to admit that, like you're not going to put it all out is a weird thing. It would be like a chef if you had 50 dishes in your repertoire and then you only put 10 on your menu. Well, and also what Kelly seems to be forgetting is that it's not like she cut down the number of each item. She got rid of a bunch of items altogether. So right. like if you're selling necklaces and bracelets and all of that and there's none displayed, how are people supposed to know that? Right. And Kelly also, she makes some accurate but harsh comments along oh, yeah. the way, too. She says, ditch the Greek eye. That's been done before. These you can find on the street for $5. These are not part of your collection. And the woman says, but it's real python, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> she, she defends herself. 
Um, but to be fair, she asked, I'm assuming she knows she, who Kelly is or she wouldn't have called her in. Yeah, she... And she brought this upon herself. And Kelly even says that in the beginning. She's really nice and it's like, oh, lovely. And then she's like, I want to know what you think. And she's like, okay, are you sure? Here we go. Yeah, she said, I get paid to do this. Um, and then we end the time in London with a dinner at Luciano by Marco Pierre White, who is a famous chef with Robin, Emily, Kelly, and Ilario. My only note on this is, tell us again, Kelly, about how hip and modern and cool your relationship is. Ugh. She makes so many uncomfortable single woman jokes and says, Ilario, how are you going to deal with all three of us? Like, she's flirting with him like a teenager in front of her employees. Yeah. It's, it's... It's gross and uncomfortable. It's not Kelly. No. And I think that's why I hate it so much. Because it's the one time she's not, like, a power bitch in control. Yeah, she's swoony. It's weird. It's gross. Yeah, I'm not into it. Um, but also, I told Frank because he... Oh my god, I just had an epiphany. What? You know who it <laughs> reminds me of? Sheena. Oh yeah, totally. She is Sheena Shang out. I bet Ilario can hang a TV, TV in seven minutes! <laughs> I mean, she also, she plants her flag in him, like, every 30 seconds. Yeah. This is my daughter's father. This is Ava's father. Did I mention we had a baby? We never lived together, but we have a baby. It's like, AKA, we still have sex sometimes. Can you imagine what it must be like to be in a room with her and him and whoever he's, if he's dating someone or married? Oh my God, she'd be terrible. Yeah. She'd be like, Mar- she'd probably just pee on him. She'd probably just full on piss on him yeah. in front of the new girlfriend to be like, mark him a territory. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that in the scene with him on the couch with no shirt on that I would feel more attracted to him and I didn't. I know I want to be attracted to him, but I'm not. Me either. No, it's Mr. Bean. <laughs> I don't get Mr. Bean, but I'm not attracted He's to like him. He's like Mr. Bean's attractive brother. It's gross. More attractive. I don't think we More can. attractive, yeah. I mean, they're definitely in the same genus. Yeah. Um, but I told Frank as a brief sidebar, Marco Pierre White is a famous chef, um, but just for fun, if you're really bored, which I often am, Marco Pierre White Jr., his son, was on Celebrity Big Brother in the UK and is quite a British tabloid regular for his wild antics. So if you're really bored, look him up. I'm excited to look him up and see which season and then watch it. He's covered in tats, hot mess. I feel like he's been engaged like 12 times and arrested like 50. Like he's just one of those people. He's kind of a tabloid treasure. I'm here for it. Yeah. So then we go back to New York and uh, Kelly and co are back in the office. We get a brief scene with Ava. I didn't have any notes about that other than it was a brief scene with Ava. No, none. Yeah. (laughs) And so this is where we see the beginning of Skinner's soon-to-come meltdown. Yeah. Her descent into madness. And the way it's edited, and if this was really happening like that, I can see why she had a meltdown. Every 30 seconds, someone else is asking her for something. Robin's asking her about the FTP server. And then Emily asks her about the Zoldig and Voltaire monthly report. And then Kelly says, what about the video that you were going to send to Betsy so-and-so? And Skinner is just, she looks like she's trying to juggle and she's never juggled before. Um, I've been pretty eagle-eyed on the clock radio behind her. I and was too. That it seems 
on on top like i'm on uh, sync like it seems like the timeline fits like it really is like every minute someone's bugging her yes and they're not splicing it together right and as we've seen there are a lot of people in this office and i don't in skinner's defense i don't understand why she's the only person being fired at after they've been gone for you know five days or whatever like there are other people they could be asking but i but what i think is going on here is that they're asking her because she's supposed to be delegating to everyone else. So they tell her the list of things to do, and she's supposed to go, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. But she's not even the boss. We've already established that even Michelle outranks Stephanie. Uh, But for the feeling we get, it becomes even more so later in the episode. It seems like they give her the shit to do, and it rolls downhill from her, and she's supposed to be telling other people to do it, and then they're supposed to be getting back to her, and she gets back to them. So that instead, she's trying to do everything herself. Right. And I think it's a combination of the three bosses at fault and her. I mean, I think there's fault on both sides. There is, yeah. And Stephanie is one of those people that she can't, she can never stop and say, which is more important, or I need help, or whatever. And when I get really overwhelmed, I mean, I'm lucky that I sit really close to my boss and my boss is cool. And I will just say, if you had to pick one of these to get today, would it be A or B? Like, I will just ask. But I'm also older than Stephanie, and she's young. But the other thing that I liked about this scene is that Kelly gets really pissed off about this video thing and the fact that Skinner didn't send it to this woman, Betsy, and she says, well, I'm the most important person at this company. Yes. I mean, she owns the company. It's totally fair. Like, let's just call it like it is. But don't Robin and Emily own part of the company as well? Robin's a partner, but it's Kelly's company. Kelly is still the most important person at the company. Her statement's still true. And then we get a scene of Kelly with her co-author of her book. I don't care about that either. Well, I have just a few quick things to say about this. And okay. some of them I know, because like I said, I'd started to read the book. I haven't gotten that far. Um, but I did receive this in the book as well. So she talks about, in the book, um, and in the scene, about how in 1987 she drove her red Corolla to New York with a $2,000 check from her dad. Which, by the way, guys, I drive a red Corolla and I felt very, really close to Kelly. And I was excited. Um, with a, with nothing but a two thousand dollar check for her dad from her dad. Well, I hate to break it to you, Cal, but in nineteen ninety seven, that was a lot of money. Eighty seven. Yeah, that's what I said. Nineteen ninety seven was a lot of money. I mean, in nineteen ninety four, when I moved into my first apartment, my rent in DC was four hundred dollars a month. Yeah. So in eighty seven in New York, like, and this was New York wasn't expensive then, like it was, like it is now. Yeah. Like that's enough to live off of six months, like easily. I got $2,000 when I graduated 20 years after Kelly. Yeah, so I, I'm not trying to, like, downplay her success. She's done amazing for herself. But don't try to act like you showed up in New York with, like, a backpack and nothing. Yeah. Like, you had a nice little nest egg. I she mean, probably sold that car and got another $500 at least. Exactly. So I, I'm a little, like, not having a hard time buying her, like, hard luck story. Um, and it's also interesting because in the book she talks about, like, how her dad was so against this move. Like, her parents were, like, hated New York, wanted yeah. them, and then they, to give her that kind of money. I don't know. Um, and then she talks about how she went into PR, um, and the next thing you know, she's, like, walking Michael Jackson through the Palladium. But does not mention her music career. I know. Which is interesting. Oh, I forgot to tell all of you, and you, I tweeted her today <gasps> to ask what a genre of music, I didn't say genre, I said what kind of music, but what genre of music she did, and she hasn't responded. Oh my god, fingers crossed, everyone. 
Yeah, so keep it. Um, retweet it, you guys. Like, if yeah. you see it, retweet it. Maybe that'll get her. Um, here, I will read you the actual exact tweet. Um, where is it? It'll be right at the top because I just did it today. While I was watching the episode, I was like, I've got to stop doing this. I said, at Kelly Catrone, we know you turned down a record contract to focus on your PR career, and we were wondering what style of music was your album that was never released. Good one. So, haven't heard back. So all of you in the Twitter sphere, retweet it. So uh, hopefully it will get her attention and she will respond. Let's hear it, Kel. I want to hear it. So the other thing I said to Frank that came up later, but it stands with this too. You can tell that Kelly is a producer on this show because of the things that are included, like her writing her book and her time with her daughter. For sure. And where they're very nice and I get that she's really trying to make it a product of herself, it's not the most interesting part. And the funny thing is, is I wonder if the show would have gotten more seasons if this were less of the show. If it was more about the drama of running PR and like Skinner melting down and Andrew being funny and whatever. Now, did she want a second season? Like, I don't we know. need to research that because I don't know if she did. Maybe this was just like a vanity shing for one year to promote the book. Or maybe we're the only people who cared about Kelly Catrone. I don't know. No, I know a lot of people that watched it. Like, okay. when I mentioned that's what we're doing, people are like, oh my god, I love that show. So, it must have had semi-decent numbers. Or maybe she felt like it was exploitative of her clients or something in a way she didn't like and she didn't want to do it. I don't know. Maybe. Another thing to look up. So, then we go back to the office. And Robin, Emily, and Michelle are all giving Skinner work, still. Asking her questions. And Kelly says, wait. Don't ask her anything right now. And she explains that she's trying to teach Skinner how to delegate. And that Skinner doesn't understand every time she takes something on herself and doesn't delegate it, that they're losing money and hurting the agency. Which is true. Yeah. And she says, I'm trying to train Skinner to be a winner. And I like that it rhymes. Very Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Um, She also um, reiterated the fact that Skinner is doing everything and Andrew M. is doing nothing. Yeah. Andrew's just sitting there. Yeah, she's like, like, oh, Andrew's not doing anything. He's just doing phone calls for me, right? Like, Andrew, you can help with this, right? And I'm like, what the... Again, it just shows that, like... I don't know. I think Andrew is there as much as she claims or said in that thing that Andrew just wanted to be on TV. I think she just wanted Andrew to be on TV. Yeah. I think she thought he'd make for good TV, and that's why he's there. Because she's not really working him like an assistant. No. And I have more to say about that later. So, then we go to Toys in Babeland. Which I love. Yeah. It's a sex store. Yeah. Sex shop. And Kelly has tasked herself with buying a vibrator for the 47-year-old receptionist at her doctor's office. Which I, in all caps, wrote, who asks a client to buy them a vibrator? Like, this is insane. No, no, no. But knowing Kelly, what happened was the woman was joking around with her. And as Kelly tells the story, the woman says, do you know what a rabbit is? And Kelly says, yes, I know what a rabbit is. So they fall into this very awkward and personal conversation about vibrators. And the woman probably disclosed that she's never used one. Yeah, but she claims the woman said to her, you look like someone who would know about vibrators. I feel like Kelly took it upon herself to just like... You're probably right. But Kelly says, apparently this receptionist out of the blue asked her about rabbits and then said, you look like someone who would know about vibrators. Who in New York City won't just go into a store and buy a vibrator? Apparently the 47-year-old receptionist who has had sex for nine and a half years at her doctor's office. Yeah, let's talk about that. Poor thing. Nine and a half years, though. She was 36 last time she got some. But I have so many questions. Like, did she, the woman give her money? Is Kelly buying this as a gift? Is she repaying her? Like, I have so many questions about this vibrator purchase. Yeah, and they're not cheap. No! 
They're like a hundred bucks. Yeah. So then the woman at the sex shop is like showing Kelly some of the newer products. And there's one vibrator that connects to like your iPod, I'm guessing. Yeah. Or like your whatever. I'm guessing it's an iPod because they were still the hot new thing. And then it connects to headphones and the vibrator vibrates to whatever music is playing. (laughs) So you see Kelly holding this vibrator and she has the headphones on and she says, oh God, this is a country station. And then the next shot, she's smiling ear to ear and goes, whoa, okay. Hip hop is clearly the way to go, (laughs) which is amazing. And then she needs to buy organic lube. For Andrew S. For the tan trash machine. Yeah. Um, now, I don't understand. We've never heard him ask for organic. I feel like this is her own personal choice. It was. She said, do you have organic lube as well? Yeah. And so she buys it for Andrew and then makes a bunch of jokey comments about, like, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. Like, if you own a fashion PR company, like, is this appropriate? I mean, in today's climate, no. Yeah. HR would have a huge problem with it. Yeah. And... I mean, well, let's also be honest, right? Like, we've seen in the very same episode that Kelly is putting her relationship from at least seven years ago on a huge pedestal. Yeah. And she's a regular at Toys and Babeland and knows all about organic lube. So I think we know which way the wind is blowing yeah. with Kelly. <laughs> True. <laughs> so she says she's eager to get back to the fun people's revolution where they play play pranks on each other, etc. And I'm like... Kelly probably does that like twice a year. And then the rest of the time she's a total C-bomb yelling at people about shit. Well, the funny thing is she then gets back to People's Revolution and accidentally gives the lube to a new intern who has Andrew's similar haircut. Yeah. Also, not appropriate. No. Pull Andrew aside. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then Andrew Serrano tells the audience in his confessional that he hasn't had a date in a year and a half. So... There's that. Yeah. And he's about to. Um, Then we get back to more book Ava stuff, which was boring. But the only note of this is I'd never noticed before Kelly's um, chain link heart arm tattoo. I said tattoo. Is that a chain? Yeah. It's a chain link (laughs) with a heart in the middle of it. It sure is around her arm. Mm -hmm. It's very Pamela Anderson barbed wire. Very. Yeah. Um, she also, I like that she describes her early days in New York just a little bit. Cause she says we are young and we are rich and we are powerful and we are skinny and we are pretty and we are well connected. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm, I really, I really missed the boat on that one. And we were a mess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she has a really ugly tattoo. Yeah. Now I know why she wears long sleeves a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty terrible. It's bad. I wouldn't be surprised if she's had it removed. Although do you think she cares enough to have it removed? Probably no. not. Yeah. She doesn't even care enough to wear makeup. Yeah. She wears tabby toe socks. That's true. She's <laughs> not getting that tattoo removed. Right. So then we are back in the office and Andrew Muckamel doesn't know how to type. No. Oh my God. He, we get a shot of him over the shoulder and he's like not even typing with like two pointer fingers, like the way that like my dad does. Like he looks like he's using a keyboard for the first time, like a caveman. <laughs> it's, he looks mystified by it. So now we know why he doesn't do anything more than use the phone. Yeah. Cause at least the phone only has like 10 buttons that are important. Um, so Emily and Skinner start to argue because Skinner is... She's taking too much on and she's not delegating. And she's one of those people that, from what I can tell in this scene anyway, that 
does things, but she does like 10 things at once instead of finishing something and then moving on to task number two. But I kind of get why, because I feel like she starts yes. a task and then like Robin is like, wait, I need this right now. And then she starts doing that. And Kelly's like, I need this right now. Like that's, yes. I think what happens. So Skinner defends herself and she says, I'm one person and priorities are constantly shifting, which is true. We've seen it on camera. Like they are constantly barking at her for something spur of the moment. So Emily is not in the wrong to go to Stephanie and say like, you need to finish some stuff and get them off your plate and then move on to other things. But I also agree that Emily is a bit harsh about it. Um, well, but the other, the one thing is Emily says to her, like, you need to give this to the interns. You need to delegate this to interns. And then Emily says, I mean, uh, Skinner says, what makes no sense to me. There are no interns, only two. And I wrote, who the fuck are all the other people in the office then? Right. I think she meant there are no interns that I would trust this with. I think is what she meant to imply, but she doesn't say that. And then Emily starts hounding her about all these reports, like the monthly reports and like the show wrap reports that they send to clients to say like, this is how well we did for you kind of thing. And Stephanie says, but reports are not the only thing I'm doing. I can't sit here and do reports all day. If I could, they would be done. Because she's doing showroom visits and pulling clothes and all that other stuff. So Skinner starts to cry and she gets up and walks away as Emily's mid-sentence. And I said, Skinner breaks Kelly's cardinal rule and cries in the office. In her defense, she says, can I please go outside now? And Emily says, no. Yeah. So she tried. She felt the tears coming on and she tried to go outside. So then Emily says you know, all this emotion and all the drama about these things needs to stop happening. And Skinner says, maybe I shouldn't work here. I think she's really, she's just overworked. You can see the physical difference between the two of them in this entire exchange too, that like Skinner looks like she hasn't left the office in four weeks. I don't think she has. And she seems exacerbated and probably rightfully so. Right. Whereas Emily, she seems tired too, but at the same time, The fact that she got to go to London for five days and at least have like a seven hour flight back to New York. She looks well rested compared to Skinner. Yeah. She has a fresh blowout. She's wearing heels. She has some makeup on. Skinner looks like she got pulled out of a bathtub drain. Well, and I was going to say later during um, Emily's phone call to Kelly, Emily, not Skinner. Yeah. Um, She looks amazed. Yeah. She's wearing like skinny jeans and these beautiful heels. Exactly. She she looks really good. Exactly. But that's, that's what made me think the whole thing was a little unfair too. Yeah. Like Emily just breezes back into the office after five days in London, having a good time and looks like she got laid all weekend and starts barking at Skinner for stuff. So what happens is Skinner goes outside to cry. She calls Kelly and feels really hurt and sort of attacked. And then Kelly calls Emily and gets her version of the story. And then Kelly calls Skinner back and says, you need to go back, pull yourself together and reprioritize. And I wrote that it's shocking that Emily still work together and watching this, you never would have thought that like today they now have a company together. Like who would have thought that? Yeah. But I think, well, we get this really weird scene in between with the photographer, but we can come back to that. I'm proud of Skinner for coming back. Like she comes back with a coffee. She took a breather. She cried it out and she says, okay, I'm ready to reprioritize. And Emily is actually much softer to her the second time. Yeah. And she says, like, let's write down everything you have to do. Let's put it in order. 
And she gives her some like really soft timelines on some stuff and they work together quite well. So I, where I was wondering how they work together now in the following scene, I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this brief scene with mustache, <laughs> which is funny. way out of order because we see Skinner freak out and Muckamel sitting there watching and Kelly's not even in the office. And then we get this weird vignette of Kelly and Muckamel scamming some guy at the front door. It's almost like it was meant to be. And actually it may be because we watched this without commercials. It may have been an interstitial. Right. Um, it's because when Bravo used to, they don't do it anymore as much, but they used to do like long commercial breaks and they'd have a little interstitial that was like 30 seconds to a minute in between. So they could do even more commercials and have like a five minute commercial break. Um, I bet that's where it went. Yeah. Um, and it's like comic relief in between this tension. So we see this really hot guy with like a mustache and a tank top while biking by. And, um, Kelly, of course, again, is telling Andrew, like, you need a boyfriend. And Andrew's like, well, what about that guy? So Kelly comes back out. He's like, let's hit on him. So he's taking pictures and they ask him what he's photo- photographing. And he doesn't really kind of say, he's, or they ask him who he's photographing for. Yeah. He's just kind of like, oh, myself. She says, who do you shoot for? And he says, just myself. But I'm a musician. Musician. Yeah. Who has a tattoo that his mom paid for that he got in Vegas. And we find out has a girlfriend because Kelly asked him his sign. She thinks he's a Gemini. And he says, no, he's an Aquarius, which Kelly says is good, which I have a little appreciate because I'm an Aquarius. Uh-huh. Um, and that's when he says, like, my girlfriend doesn't think so. And they're all kind of like, whatevs, and go back inside. Well, the other thing that I found interesting about this little scene, Kelly is a little thirsty with dudes. Or not thirsty, but like swoony. She says, would you want to come back and show us your, show me your artwork and show Andrew your artwork? And like, it's like the way she is with Ilario. She has this weird, like. This I get though, because she's not being thirsty for her. And I have, I for sure. Well, and this guy's also way hotter, so I'll forgive it. And I for sure have been much more. It's easy when you're doing it for someone else. I can't tell you the number of times I've been in a club and some friend of mine's been like, I think that person's hot and I have no problem tromping right over and been like, oh my gosh, like my nice to meet you, my friend over there thinks you're cute, blah, 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 when I would never do that for myself. And I think that's where Kelly is with this. I think she's much more like, go get him when it's for Andrew. Well, just Andrew, really. That's the only person she's finding dudes for. But yeah. we've seen it before. And I think that's where she's like as assertive. Yeah. No, that's fair. But she does have this like kind of... It's just, it's, it's a different side to Kelly that we For don't sure. see. And yeah. it's kind of weird. When yeah, it's, it's like, like her weird femi flirty side, which is not usually present. No, and it's not what I want to see from Kelly Catrone. No. <laughs> um, and then Andrew says what I think is hysterical and true is he goes, that's the problem with New York. You can't tell who's gay. Yeah. Which is true. Okay. True that. Yeah. Um, so then this is where we actually get Emily and Skinner reprioritizing. And it's a very nice scene. They are both a lot softer and they both seem like they work together much better and everything is resolved. And then... Oh, God, we go on Serrano's blind date. Well, first, we get his confessional, which I have a lot to say about. Okay. He I'm going to let you sound off on this scene. Oh, yeah. So he says... My friends were like, you're hot, so go on a date. And I said, "Um, who the fuck are your friends and why are they lying to you? You look like a piece of burnt toast. (laughs) Who are these friends you speak of? Hot as in from the tanning bed? Yeah. Hot as in your skin literally looks hot to the touch because you're burnt (laughs) toast. Um, And then Andrew goes on what is probably the worst date ever for the other guy. Oh my god! It was painful to watch. It was, it was painful. painful to watch. So they and the guy, the other guy is kind of cute in a ten years ago way. He's got like a he's like preppy, but he has a faux hawk. It's weird. Um, I, I mean, he wasn't hideous. 
I wouldn't. He was fine. Yeah. He was better looking than Andrew. Um, the only guy I would do in this episode is the guy on the bike. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But I'm, he's he's the gold medal of this episode. So. I mean, I would probably make out with this guy, but, like, that's about it. So he... <laughs> so Andrew is the worst date ever. Like, they sit down, and he does this stupid thing where he says... Um, and then, first of all, he says he's never been on a blind date. Neither of them have ever been on a blind date. Fine. But then he says this thing, which makes it even more annoying if it's not a blind date, if he does it every time, where if he goes on a date, he likes to play a little game. And the little game is word association. Yeah. And it's so stupid, and it immediately devolves into, like, banana, dildo, loo. I'm like, what the fuck? And then he has another <laughs> confessional where he goes, I don't know what happened. It just, like, devolved into something sexual. Because you kept saying sex things, idiot. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Also, that's not a fun game. And if he said dildo to me, I would say, that makes me think of something that wants to beat you to death with. Want to take a dildo and just smack you about the head until you're dead. Also, but like, the reason I say it's not a fun game is the first one he throws out, he says, fork. I think that was second. Whatever. Well, how the fuck is that fun? I will, I have to give the guy credit. He said spork, which I thought was hilarious and I liked it. <laughs> and then he said, or some people call it a foon. A foon, which I'll give him credit for what he was being given. I know, but like... That of word associations, that's the exciting word you're going to throw out there is fork. What else are you going to say? Oh, no, you mean Andrew. Yeah. yeah. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah. He, I would have got up at the table and left. I would have fucking left. I went on a date with a guy recently, like in the last couple months, who we were at a museum and he kept asking me all these stupid questions. And he said, well, I'm just trying to get to know you. And I said, well, that's intrinsic. It just has to happen. You can't just like interview me. And then he says, and he says, all right, well, if you could go back to any time in your life and you could either change anything or keep it the same. What time would it be and what would you do? Oh, my God. And I said, fuck no. And he said, <laughs> what do you mean? I go, this isn't a college entrance exam. Yeah. I said, I'm not on Ellen. I'm not going to answer any more <laughs> of these fucking questions and I'm done. Also, that's a horrible question. Yeah. I should have said I would have gone back before I met you and never have met you. I also don't think I would go back, which I'm proud of. I think that's healthy. Yeah, it is healthy. So... But then the date gets even weirder because Kelly shows up with Makamel. Which I thought was funny and fun. It's funny, but it was totally for television. And they just start, like, eating their bread basket. And... Well, Andrew, Makamel eats the bread basket. Kelly just plays with her poncho. Right. And this is where Kelly says, he's not my assistant, he's my boyfriend. Yeah, she said, like, Andrew... So Serrano says, "Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe my boss and her assistant showed up. And she says, just so you know, he's not my assistant. He's my boyfriend. Um, Cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of funny. It is, but it goes back to your original episode one theory about her, like, favoring the boys. 100%. 100%. And then I actually thought the funnier part is when they're, like, sitting on the date and, like, eating the bread. And Kelly goes, why don't you ask me how my day was? (laughs) God. I thought that was really funny, too. Okay. And then Muckamel eating all the bread. It was funny. And then this is where Kelly wins the episode for me because she says something. She just says the name Serrano. And then she says, AKA Tandrew. Tandrew. And I'm so pissed off. One, that I didn't remember that. And two, we didn't come up with it on our own. We should have. We're, we're remiss. Aunt Kelly wins. And I'm really sad that's not his Instagram handle. It should be. He's not as tan anymore, though, which is actually probably healthier for him. But it, Tandrew is incredible. And yeah. I'm so pissed off we didn't get there by ourselves. And then Kelly says something about how, you know, people need to know that when they date a People's Revolution employee, they date the whole crew. 
or they don't really date at all and you see them for like three hours a week. Well, and she does kind of her whole like mama bear protective of her cubs deal and says, and this is again where she kind of, and this comes up later and I have something to say about it later too, where despite the fact that she's this like badass bitch feminist, she says some kind of sexist stuff and says that like, this is what dads and brothers are supposed to do, but they don't do it anymore. So now I'm doing it. Yeah. And I'm like, anyone can be protective of their friend and who they date. Like, it doesn't have to be a dad or a brother. I mean, like, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. So, then we go to the Ina men's store. That's the big event that's been going on this week. I feel like maybe we forgot to mention that, but not much has happened yet. And Emily explains that people, Ina is a store for people who want designer clothes cheaper. And Frank and I were both confused by the statement. Frank looked it up and it's because it's a consignment shop for designer clothes. And I'm a little surprised that they're having this like event with all these fashion editors at a consignment shop. I'm guessing it was a new consignment shop and it she must She said be, it just opened. Right. And it must be like high-end consignment. And so like some fashion writers who write about like where to shop in New York, they would care about that. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing it was like a midweek event. And I bet I mean, I don't really know, but I'm guessing that like I'm guessing blogs and stuff would care about that. Consignment like designer consignment is cool. I wish DC had more of it, honestly, but... Well, we have Segundi. I know. I've gone. I got some cute stuff there. But anyway, um, I don't have a lot to say about this event because it's not particularly exciting. Um, um, I just wrote, tequila shortage in all caps. Oh my God. They freak the hell out about the fact that they run out of tequila. And Did you get the name of the tequila brand? I couldn't understand it and I couldn't be bothered. I did, but I didn't write it down. It's some high-end tequila I've never heard of. Probably doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. And they partnered, I guess, for this. And I believe the reason they ran out is because they were pouring people giant glasses of tequila. Straight. Yeah. So you get a scene of Emily working the event, as she quoted. And her glass, it, she's holding it in her hand. It's a full four fingers of tequila. Yeah. With just a couple ice cubes. Yeah. That's why they ran out. And the and weird I'm pretty thing sure is, sipping tequila doesn't go on ice. I'm pretty sure. They keep calling it a sipping tequila, and I think you sip tequila room temp. Or it should have been like shaken and chilled, but and not, then poured yeah. out. Yeah. But they, the other thing is, when they were setting the table up, it was shot glasses. Yeah. It was a million shot glasses, so it was supposed to be shots or little shot glasses to right, sip. Because that's how you and sip then it. they instead were putting it in these like rocks low ball glasses. rocks glasses. Yeah. So now I know why they ran out. Um, but um, who was jo- there? George Wayne. I was going to say, our fave. He's like in every episode. This I know. This is his third episode. I'm, he better be in the finale or I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> um, so they run out of tequila. Shock of shocks. And then Ina says she has a case of Prosecco in the back. Chilling. Yeah. For a brand new store. Okay. Way to plan ahead, Ina. I'm glad someone did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Emily is standing out front with Skinner, who is working the front door, waiting for more tequila to arrive, and says, I should be inside working the event instead of waiting for tequila. Well, the other thing that I think is funny is the reason that Ina is freaking out is she's like, everyone's going to leave. Everyone's going to leave. Tequila. Everyone's gonna leave. And I'm like, isn't the point of the clothes and like looking at the store? Like, and if you say like tequila will be here in 15 minutes, people are going to be like, peace out. I don't got 15 minutes to waste on this bullshit. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it was as big of a deal as they were making it seem. And did you notice when the person arrived with more tequila, what it arrived in? It looked like a bottle. It So someone was carrying like an Ikea plastic bag, like the ones that you shop around the store with, the blue ones. 
And I was like, how many bottles are in there? One. I thought I, it was one. I thought they were going to show up with like one of the... A case. Wood, yeah, like yeah. a case of tequila. And instead it was like a grocery bag. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That kept people at the event. Okay. Sure. And then to close out the episode, we go to Kelly's book cover shoot. With Mary Ellen Mink? Mark. Mary Ellen, Mary Ellen Mark. And she says she, it's like asking Rembrandt, <laughs> Rembrandt to paint your bedroom. Now, here's the thing about Kelly. And I've come to realize this. She says, Mary Ellen Mark, who is literally one of the most important, the most important photographers of our time. Kelly says this about everyone. She everyone does. is the most important designer of our time. One of the most important photographers of our time. One of the most important publishers. I mean, like, everyone is one of the most important with her. Anyone she brings up, anyone she mentions. I personally had never heard of Mary Ellen Mark. Oh, she died three years ago. Oh, well, maybe this is her swan song. Um, I I mean, I'm sure she's great, but... I'd uh, never heard of her either. Th- well, this was one of my other issues with Kelly, though. This is later she says about this woman, one of the few women I look up to and respect in the world. And I said, what the fuck? How are you a feminist? I know. Like, she makes it seem like there are so few women that she looks up to and respect. I mean... What about, like, Betty Friedan or Gloria Steinem or Roxanne Gay? I mean, like, there are a million amazing women to look up to, and you claim you're a power bitch and that you're this feminist person, and then you say that there are so few women in the world that you respect and look up to? Like, that, I don't know. I had a problem with that. Like, who were the women who inspired her to move to New York in the first place? Like, there must have been some. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I thought that was weird, too. And the most jarring thing for me in the scene that was Kelly wearing the heaviest face of makeup we will ever see her wear, it's like seeing a fish out of water. Yeah. Like, Kelly does not wear a stitch of makeup on camera. And honestly, respect for that. Like, she's not going to get dolled up just for the sake of television. But to see her on her book cover, and you don't even see the cover in this scene. You just see her shooting the cover. She, she was airbrushed with makeup. Um, I did love that she said, I don't look good on camera and I don't photograph well. And I said, same. Yeah. Like, yeah. I hate having my picture taken. I absolutely hate it. Me too. So I could relate to that. Me too. It's the worst. And she does a little scene with Ava and talks about how her book is for Ava and blah, blah. Yeah. And which cover, which photo is on the cover, actually? We should have looked. It's just her face. Yeah. Is, it's and then literally is, just her face. Is Ava on the back or like on the inside? I no, think I think so. those pictures were just for her. Maybe. Um, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and then we get scenes from the next are, um, Skinner and Kelly are having the same old problem of Skinner not being able to delegate. Yeah. And then we finally see both the Andrews fuck up. Yeah. Andrew yeah. M and S so, uh, fuck up and get called on the carpet. So something to look forward to. And it's about goddamn time that it took six episodes before them to get in trouble. Yeah. And also from here on out, Serrano will be known as Tandrew. Yes. And that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at OneHitPod. You can email us at FranklyMareB at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at HeyIt'sMareB. Please remember to rate and subscribe. And have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon.